Follow the Four Corners Podcast on social media. Like us on Facebook, Four Corners Podcast. Follow us on Twitter, Podcast Four Corners. And check us out on Instagram, Four Corners Podcast. You can also subscribe to us on iTunes and Stitcher. Don't forget to leave us a five-star review. I want to take this time to apologize to the television audience for what they're about to see. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Four Corners Podcast. I'm Shad here with Matt and Brad. Guys, how are you? Uh, doing good, Shad. Doing good. I am so glad to hear it, and I, I am my so voice glad. Is back to a hundred percent. Yeah, you sound more like yourself now. Yeah, as I have. Opposed to, I have a lingering cough. Um, the breathing's pretty good. We went on a pretty um, heavy-duty hike yesterday. I don't know if you've never been to ohio there's a place called old man's cave shad possibly might have been there at some point in his life Mm -hmm. since he lives kind of close to ohio but it's not really a cave it's more of like a giant ravine and the um the climb out is a motherfucker well okay so if, if you're calling it a ravine that means it's a holler do you climb up the back of it or up one of the sides uh, you kind of go, you can kind of go, you can't, the, the down is pretty easy. You go to like a fall and then you go in deeper, deeper, and then you kind of have to go up the side and out. And yep. There, that's pretty deep. Yeah. All right. We want to say, first of all, everybody out there listening, we appreciate you joining us for this episode. We really do love that you're listening and glad you're here with us. We've got some shout-outs to take care of right here at the beginning. The first one is going to go to Collar and Elbow, the wrestling brand, collarandelbowbrand.com. Use the promo code 4CORNERSPODCAST, that's C number 4, capital C and corners, capital P and podcast, to save 10% on your order. They actually have a new design out now. It's a harken back to the 90s design or something, property of Collar and Elbow, athletic department, that sort of stuff. It's, you know, it's not a... uh, complicated design but it does look good but can you uh, make wwe toast with it (laughs) i don't want to find out um maybe you set it on fire you can (laughs) like uh (laughs) toast some (laughs) some delicious bread on it but i would not do that with i would not do that with a collar and elbow shirt because they're too comfortable to ruin like that i'm just gonna get cattle brand and start branding my toast golly Going Terry Funk on your toast. Yes. Uh, our other shout out is going to be uh, Eastern Kentucky is still trying to rebuild after everything that's happened. And being super familiar with that part of the world, we're dealing with folks who, yeah, there's been lots of relief in the immediate aftermath, but there's a lot of rebuilding that happen, needs to happen too. And these are good people that are in a tough place and they can use all the help you can give. So, I'm going to say that if you want a good place to start looking for how to help, Apple Shop, A-P-P-A-L-S-H-O-P, that <clears throat> dot org is going to be where I'm going to send you for your initial directive. 
for um, organizations that are actually helping down there because uh, Apple Shop or Appalachia Shop, but they shortened it for the, the name, um, they will not associate with anybody who's um, not living up to their end. We'll put it that way. So uh, if you would like to help these people that could really use it, uh, you know, I've lived there. I've worked in front of these people. There's good folks there. And they were in a bad – a lot of them were in a bad place before this happened. And now once in a century flood has, an, has them in another even worse place. So if you'd like to help, that's where I'd send you to go. On a lighter note, our other shout-out goes over to Matt. Uh, that'd be to Orlando Cologne. Uh, you know, Orlando Cologne not challenging for the NWA world title. What? But he, sh- but he should be because if you're going to have Titus compete for that title, you might as well book anyone. I <laughs> I um, I believe oh, – we can get into that real quick. But I was going to say he's also a karaoke master with a, a certain um, – a certain song. Is he? Yes. The dun 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 I can't think of the rest. That's <laughs> that that is I I have to say because I I've watched all of 1982 and that's why we did this. But that is the earwormiest of like wrestling music ever. It kind of is. Like I, when we watched this, I, I've watched I've watched some world class back in the day, um, but I, had, I haven't seen something like in quite some time, like a two or three years. And so when it came on again, I was like, I my my I wasn't like watching the TV. I, I sort of looked down at my phone or something like that, and all of a sudden that little stinger came on, and I was like, oh, it like shook me in my place. I'm like, whoa, I know that. <laughs> I know yeah, that that's bumper. That might be the most iconic like wrestling song ever. Hmm. Just because it, the first time you hear it, like you never forget it. It's like you immediately associate that is world class championship wrestling. Yeah. So everybody out there, yes, we are foraying into world class. Not even a whole show, but one particular match tonight. Brad, well, can you give the, us some background? Well, the match, the the show was the whole match because they did a lot of setup. I actually liked how they That's set true. it up. But so That's this true. is this is kind of the culmination of like six or eight months of storyline um so you know this is carrie and flair had been having like issues back and forth you know flair would escape with the title and then flair did like a bounty angle which um the great kabuki injured carrie and he needed like a like a knee operation and then um kind of a, a subtle but awesome thing is uh King Kong Bundy was having like a pay dispute with Gary Hart and um, outed him for like, I think five grand from Fritz von Eric because they were having a little tiff Um, Mm -hmm. outed like the check flare wrote him. Okay. And um, which is actually funny because they had, they had confronted flare earlier and flares like, like I'd pay far more than that to have this, you know, if I wanted that done. (laughs) <laughs> they um they reference uh, i was they gonna say and that's just not even adjusted for inflation i'm sorry matt go ahead oh uh, no problem um they they referenced the kabuki uh like attack on carrie and how he injured him i don't think they i, I can't remember if they were uh mentioned the surgery yeah they but they did mention the attack because he was out at, um it's hard it's hard to remember 
how long someone's out when you're like marathon watching stuff because you can burn through like eight episodes in a week and you know oh they were out for two months in real time but oh you know they were just gone for a couple episodes yeah and then so hey, uh, hey brad yeah yes and then they had like a da-da-da-da. I think they played this a couple times it's just a lot of drums yeah <laughs> <laughs> yes All right, there we go so um Oh no! It started again. Oh, likewise. <laughs> so, so likewise, you had the Freebirds debut as faces in all this because they had met David while he was in Florida earlier in the year, and David vouched for them as good guys. So they came in. So actually, on the episode before this, which is on the same show, um, Buddy Roberts couldn't make it, so David Von Erich helped them win the six-man titles and then relinquished his belt back to. Um, buddy, but then, you know, they laid it on real thick about what good guys the Freebirds are. Uh, because, you know, that that's just a little extra layer to all of this. But so right. they decided they were going to settle this in a cage match. In a cage. Yeah. Alright. So, so what you need to realize first about World Class is, so this was actually syndicated to the Christian Broadcast Network. So think about, um, like, think about your local religious channel and, like, the 700 Club. So a lot of people were seeing this, but they also invested money into this, and they were getting something like 20 grand an episode. To, In um, early 80s money. Yeah, and if you watch these shows, even this one, which is an arena show, it looks fucking fantastic. It The, the camera work is really good here. Like... Uh, it rivals it probably rivals any other wrestling until the late 90s like this could go toe-to-toe with like raw nitro in 97 and not look that bad yeah i think that's a fair statement to make it's pretty good um i have comments about just like the the action as we get into it Mm -hmm. uh it just because this is what uh late 82 into early 83 this is like christmas day 82 yeah uh, well, that makes sense because I knew it was at the end. It was in, I knew it was in December, but then at the end you have like David Von Erich making a, like a weird comment. I was like, now nah, I know what y'all got my family for Christmas. Yeah, this is like yeah. this is either like Christmas. It's either like Christmas Eve, Christmas Day, or the day after Christmas. So I'm pretty sure it's Christmas Day. Right. Wow. Uh, if you compare this just generally, and we'll talk about it more, but when you compare it to the WWE. F as it was back then, uh, mm-hmm. from from the same time period, it's like it's just night and day. Like the actual like quality of the work. Uh, I mean, obviously you you this was kind of the beginning of having stuff getting bigger and bigger when you had like Hogan winning the belt, uh, and then eventually like a couple of years down the road, it would be the rock hole rock and wrestling thing and WrestleMania and everything like that. But like com- at, at this time, it's like it's it's not really a comparison, and that's really almost like. Not just world class because world class did have some good stuff, but also just like southern style NWA. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But we can get into that more. But think, but think about this. Put the, to put this in perspective. So when we did Bruno and Larry Zabisco, think about the quality of that footage and like the production values. 
this is only two years after that stuff. Mm-hmm. And it's wow. Like, it's like, it is like a movie production coming into like a TV show, like comparatively. Like it's just, it's not even compared. Like this looks closer to when we raved about how good Andre and Stan Hansen looked footage-wise. This is up more on par with that than anything I think you would see in American wrestling quality-wise. Yeah, I could see. Yeah, I see where you're coming from. So they do a lot of setup. Uh, Bill Mercer introduces us. Um, they do some some promos with Carrie, who, oh God, he can't talk. But then they do no. promos with Flair. They do the intros, which I really, I know it's, it took up like, I think 15 minutes of the episode is like the, the intros and stuff. But I felt like yeah. it really added to the gravity and like the importance of what they were going to show. Sure. You structure the whole thing around. You don't even have a card. You have just the main event, and you give it so much time for it. That's telling everybody that first of all, you're not going to get a uh, you know a three minute or a ten minute screw around thing. You're getting a, a full match, and it, it lends a lot of gravity. Yeah, and that now so. because it's the network, so Carrie Von Eric would come out to Tom Sawyer by Rush, uh, just so you know. Yeah. Which fit with his his contemporary gimmick. Yeah. Now the the one thing that's gonna weird some people out is so they have two referees for this, which is not unheard of in world class because especially six mans they like to use two refs mm-hmm. because of the amount of people there. Okay. So um, we have David Manning who we will be shitting on liberally during this show. <laughs> um, well, we certainly will. But then they did a, a fan vote, and Michael Hayes is your second referee. Okay. Michael Hayes, oddly... Yeah, how old was he in this, Brad? 23. He still looks 36. And uh, Terry Gordy was like 21, I think. Yeah. Um, I, I don't know. Michael Hayes coming out to ref this with no shirt, a pair of balloon jeans, and white white sneakers. I was like... You didn't even like throw your boots on for it or something like that. that I, I, it's a weird presentation to me. It's like halfway between I'm gonna fight or, you know, I'm I'm not supposed to be in my working gear because I'm not supposed to be working. I thought it was very Freebirds, honestly. That's probably fair. What were you gonna say, Matt? Uh, meanwhile, I don't know if uh, he had wrestled earlier in the night. He had, but he had. They, they, okay. they did it on the previous show. That thing I said about the six-man titles was earlier on this card. Okay. Because they Cause broke had, it up over a couple weeks. And on the yeah, you had you had Michael Hayes like in just you know jeans, no shirt, and then mm-hmm. you had Terry Gordy. Terry Gordy actually in like wrestling gear. Mm-hmm. So he, in the context of like this professional wrestling show, the one who was more appropriately dressed was actually Terry Gordy, uh, potentially because I mean he was in wrestling gear. And Michael Hayes looked like he was in like you know off the street, but he kind of yeah. looked like he looked kind of like I won't say dirty, but like not. He looked like a clown kind of, I and mean, he's just out there. He probably he, pr- he looked like he he looked like he got interrupted after on his like third or fourth beer after his <laughs> match. Maybe. Yeah. So, Look, I'm I'm repping the match. Oh, I'm take my shirt off. I had uh, Brad verified it for me. Like he is ridiculously young in this. How old was he? He was like, do you say he was like twenty three? Twenty 
if you guys want to if you guys want on a future episode there i i can get i have most of their memphis run where like gordy is um 18 and he's 20 wow that one i showed you of them versus dundee and um lawler and Mm -hmm. him like unveiling himself he's 20 at the time and gordy's 18 years old and gordy is like ridiculous because there's actually a funny thing um from the laps fan where like jd just goes off on gordy talking about how he's like a bumblebee and he does not understand how he is as good as he is (laughs) okay just because he's like you look at him and like his body type like i don't understand how he's as good as he is he's just got it he's like i i if you've never seen like young Gordy wrestle, like it's ridiculous, mm-hmm. like how natural he is. Yeah, like he's like it's, a savant. It's it's like um, it, it the best comparison I have in my head. It, it's like Jeff Jarrett at the same point in his career. And Sean Waltman. And, and and he might be better than them at the same point in his career, uh, uh, you know, compared to theirs. So. So what is as someone who did work like what do you think of guys like that that are just like insta like understand it all and are good at it? I, I was I didn't come across them a lot. Uh, I mean it's so rare, but if if I'm sit like when we sat here and watched stuff and like I think you told me that you know this is like Jarrett's tenth match. I'm like <sighs> that lucky sob. You know it's it's like. I'm not maliciously angry about it, but I'm a little jealous, if that makes sense. Yeah. And I I like to think, because I know you guys have seen some of the stuff that I have video for. um, You've seen some of it, and I like to think I was oddly pretty good, but just to see, like, it's like, oh, it's like my fifth match, and it's like, it's your fifth match and you're doing this. It's like, oh man. Cause I was like, I was always trying to have gears turning about what can I do to make this better? After every show, I'm thinking about what I did and why I did it. And how can I make it better? And then the fifth match, Terry Gordy's just like, I had a banger. Yeah. <laughs> now what I liked about this cage match though, is there is no like pussy footing around. Like Carrie just goes at the leg, like a wild animal. Mm hmm. One of my um, early notes in watching this, and Carrie starts strong going at Flair's leg, and Flair shows his ass huge this entire match. Mm-hmm. He sells like crazy and lets Carrie just beat the living hell out of him. And he bleeds like a motherfucker. <laughs> That's the thing I noticed is like, for Flair's kind of meant to be an afterthought in this match, and he works his balls off the yeah. whole time like this is when people want to argue against flair being the goat it's like no watch this match and tell me he's not amazing it strikes me that this was flair working i didn't even know that this trope existed in my head but it's the kind of match where the nwa champion like puts the the local guy over in a huge way 
so that the crowd doesn't kill him when he wins and leaves with the belt. You know, it, it, there are stories of, of Flair goes to a place, has a match, and on the fly drops the belt to the guy and then wins it back the next night it, just so that, you know, he can leave alive. Hmm. Yeah. That's, this seems to me this is the that's the kind of match that Flair is in the mode of. It's it's not there's not a question he'll get out, but he's in that mode of making making Kerry look super good and selling for him a lot and all that sort of stuff uh, to to keep the crowd happy. This is a I should also add like about Flair like this he was obviously good. But this is actually a few years before his even like crazier stuff mm-hmm. where he was out there uh, working like hour long matches literally like every night, like different town, hour long match. It's like it's he his, it was insane. It was insane. Yeah. And there were guys like they, they could not work the schedule he could because no one could like just go out there and be like a machine like that. And they they worked a cool spot in this match I don't think I'd ever seen before, and I was really impressed by it because Flair goes all the way to the top rope and comes off the top rope right into the claw. I thought that was cool. I'd never seen that, but it makes sense. I mean, the, on one hand, so to speak, uh, the claw is an incredibly versatile move. Yeah, because all do you've got to do is. They Just do get get your hand on their head. Yeah. Well, no. The, see, the thing is that the Von Erich claw, they stomach claw you too. Like it's not just the right. head thing. Like they 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 add to the versatility of it. Like usually finish with the head, but um, they'll do the stomach to soften you up too. But on the other hand, <laughs> to me, it like. I appreciate, you know, there's buildup behind it and all this sort of stuff, and it's easily versatile and that sort of thing. But it's just I'm holding my hand on your head. Yeah. Like, it, you know, I, I, I'm of two minds. I like the discus punch from Carrie better mm-hmm. as a finisher. Yeah. yeah. Um, he had a really good spin on his discus punch. Well, it, it sets up because he was a discus player in high school and stuff, and you can really play in, like, his – athletic background be like oh yeah that punch is ever extra devastating because xyz mm-hmm. yeah it's a state champion discus throwing form right there yeah sure you're, you're absolutely right now i will say that the the downer in this match i think is is the refing situation a bit oh boy because I, I think michael hayes is typically fine but i got tired of like David Manning being a little bitch and making Michael Hayes do all of his dirty work for he him. He was doing all the work, all the work. Yeah. yeah. Michael Hayes was the only one who was interested in keeping things fair and to have the rules actually be followed. Which Bill Mercer said, like, they have to keep some semblance of the rules at the beginning. Mm-hmm. Okay. I was baffled by this. We have to have some semblance of the rules. But you also called this a no-DQ cage match. <clears throat> what are we doing here, guys? Why? Why is it that... If we're having a no DQ cage match, what semblance of rules are we keeping here? Like, what, well, I mean, like you can't. What are we doing? I mean, I think I think what the idea is is like so, if um, if you pin someone and they put their foot on the rope, that's still like a rope break, and like you need to make them break in the ropes and stuff like that. I think that's uh, kind of the idea. You just can't. 
you just can't do a DQ. So I think I think I, I get I kind of get what they were going for, and you needed it for you needed it for Hayes to have to get physically involved more and more. Then don't call it an ODQ cage match because it's not. Just if you want to say it's a cage match, normal rules apply, but this is in a cage. Okay, but if you say it's an ODQ cage match, then what what are we doing? It's a sticking point for me. It's it it, it that particular. I know I'm harping on something that should be relatively minor, but it this really impacted my enjoyment uh, of this. So well, I think they should have just gone with one ref because the problem I had is essentially how I feel. What happened here is David Manning kept making Michael Hayes do all the physical shit, and then mm-hmm. Hayes took the heat from Kerry when Kerry got pissed off about it. Yeah. Later on in the match, and it's like, well, if David Manning had been doing his fucking job, like that wouldn't have happened. He seemed rather hands off in this match. Well, the problem is David Manning is like a notable. If you, if you ask like a group of like internet wrestling fans who the re- worst referee of all time is, like David Manning usually. He seems pretty bad. Because like, he gets, he tries to get himself over all the time. That's it. That bugs me because it bugs me the same way that you have like college football refs and like college sports refs and pro sports refs. I shouldn't restrict it that way. Who are the ones who are trying to decide the game? So you get games of ref ball. Yeah. It's like, Mm -hmm. no, I want the camera on me. It's like, dude, it ain't about you. Nobody care. You are there to facilitate this and in wrestling you're it's the same way you're there to facilitate it and help things go smoothly you're not nobody's nobody's you know mike kyota being around and and refing for a long time is great and people know who he is and that means the workers know his style of refing but it's not the case where you're going to be a the big star that that the workers are like that just doesn't work yeah it this is like a weird anecdote, but it reminds me like Jay Moore, actor, comedian Jay Moore told a story once because he did a movie that was directed by Clint Eastwood, of all people. OK. And he was telling about how like there was a scene where like an extra or like a really uh, small part uh, actor was kind of like making a big stink. And it's like they wanted to keep doing shots. Cause they wanted you know, they felt like they wanted to get their character over or the lines they had to say done in a particular way and Clint Eastwood got frustrated he literally he stopped everything and he looked at them and it's like look like I I don't know how to tell you this but this is not about you <laughs> it's like that to me is that's encapsulates David Manning it's mm-hmm. like it, it's not about you David Manning it's not like you're like you should be like the least interesting part of this whole equation here yeah, yeah. nobody cares David so Michael Hayes kind of Michael Hayes is playing it pretty straight, I would say. Um, but he has to he has to in an escalating fashion physically impose himself to break them on stuff. Mm-hmm. And where where it really goes wrong is so and this is because David Manning's also an incompetent fuckwit. Um, mm-hmm. Carrie has flair and the claw. Mm-hmm. And Manning is doing his shit, and Michael Hayes notices. Oh, hey, uh, Flair's keeps kicking his leg out and putting it on the rope. Yes, he's hitting the ropes. It's not 
it's not on the ropes in a sustained fashion. No, he's kind of kicking his leg up and he's touching the rope and it falls yes. down. And he kicks his and, leg up and touches the rope. Yeah, and Michael Hayes uh, basically takes that to be like he's kicking the ropes like we should break this hold up. When he says to Manny, he's like, hey, look, he's – um, he's – uh." He's doing this. And also, it needs to be said, like, Terry Gordy's getting really pissed off on the outside the whole time. Like, Hayes yeah. has to keep talking him down. <laughs> yeah, he, he keeps going over to, to Terry. And you can't hear what they're saying, per se, but he's, like, calming them down. I, I did like this because it kind of subverted tropes. Mm-hmm. Because he was – Michael Hayes just wasn't out there being, like, a, a completely biased, like, heel. No, and I – Like, he, 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 he seemed like he was actually trying to play things down the middle – it's just that he's obviously a worker and he's a little hot-headed himself, so he will try to break up holds or break up stuff, and he may do it in kind of like a a little rough fashion. So it's like in kind of just like you know, like shoving the guy gently on the shoulder to break up the hold. He's more like like a big slap to the shoulder, like hey, knock it off. Yeah, and it needs to be said he's not... not out there to fuck carry over either. Like, it's obvious yeah. he's not out there to fuck anyone over. Yeah, he's not out there. To, he doesn't have, like, a dog in the fight. Like, he's not actually out there trying to, like, make sure any either one of these guys gets, like, goes over. Like, he doesn't have an interest. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, by the way, you mentioned Flair trying to get his foot on the ropes. The ropes on this ring are, like, scary loose. It, yeah. They are they are so lax. I'm looking at that and shuddering. I'm like, oh, my God. Their rings are their rings look hard as fuck if you watch the TV all the time. Yeah. One of the last matches I had, um, one of the ropes broke. And it's like, well, can't hit the ropes because, uh, you know, one of the turnbuckles is, you know, one of the turnbuckles broke. One of the ropes is shot. We ain't going off the ropes for nothing. Um, and just seeing ropes that loose. Just yeah. Yeah. that's what someone waiting to get hurt. I went to an ROH show and Adam Cole like did like an opener with like a local guy that was being a jobber. And like the first time one of them hit the ropes, it broke. So Ooh. Cole had to have like an eight minute match with this guy and they did yeah. it. And it was still a decent match, but they couldn't use the ropes whatsoever. Yeah. Uh, I hate that. That's that's. Ugh. And then you had to watch the ring crew scurry out there and like, get the rope back on sure sure we didn't have that that we had used our last extra um turnbuckle hook in order to set that up and when when it broke we didn't have an extra to fix it with so the rest of the show was just like yep don't have a don't have this rope uh be careful guys didn't the didn't the rope break on that uwf show we watched i know they broke the ring in the sid and Dr. Deathmatch, but I thought they also broke the ropes on a match. I don't I can't remember. remember. Yeah. Some show we watched, they did, because I remember us commenting how it was impressive they they pulled a match off when they couldn't use the ropes. There was something about that, but I, I can't remember I can't remember where, uh, where it was that we saw it. Yeah. We've got a little bit of we got a little bit in our catalog now. There's a long way to go for that. Yeah, I know. Yes. There's it all bleeds together after a while. So yeah. um, he pulls he this time like Carrie won't break the hold, so he really pulls Carrie off that time, and then they start getting into it, and um, 
it kind of starts falling apart here and then um what did he do to flair that like ko'd him or was flair still just out I looked away. I, I, I'm not. There was a spot somewhere towards the middle that I know he threw the discus punch, but that might have been later. Than anyway, Flair's I think that was later. But anyway, okay. Flair's down, and Hayes tries to get Carrie to cover him, and he won't yeah. do it. So Hayes gets pissed off and goes to leave. And um, Gordy opens the door, and Flair kind of pushes Carrie into Hayes, who then hits Gordy. Oh, I. I thought that um, wasn't it like Flair had recovered enough to like run at Carrie, because Carrie was like, seemed like Carrie was trying to tell Michael Hayes not to leave, but it was there was an argument there because he felt probably that Michael Hayes had been interjecting himself a little too much. But anyway, yeah. wasn't didn't Flair come up from behind and do like a, a, a basically a knee lift, like a yeah. running knee strike, and it sent Carrie uh, slamming into Michael Hayes, and not not. It wasn't done like exaggerated, like super hard, where it's like, oh, Michael Hayes is hurt. But it did like, didn't it send him like flying out of the ring? Yeah, because he was kind of like, he was kind of like teetering where he's about to step out, so he flies out. Carrie's yeah. kind of like through the ropes, and then Gordy just whacked the door right into his head. Oh, and he did it hard. Yeah, yeah. There was... like I, I visibly was like, whoa, like I don't know if they gimmicked that or had gimmicked it in a way that that Carrie was able to put up an arm or something. It looked it looked rough. Yeah, and now the crowd is just the crowd is pissed. I don't know how oh. there wasn't a riot. Oh, the crowd was hot. Yeah. Yeah, the crowd was molten for the entire thing. So. <clears throat> but they were smart because I think where they saved it not being a riot is that the match went on for a couple minutes after that. Mm-hmm. I, I was a little shocked by that. I was like, I thought the match would end, and the match kept going on. I almost felt like it went on like another ten minutes. I don't think quite that long because there's there's a lot of confusion because there's like the Freebirds leaving and all this heat's going on because um, does does I'm, I'm trying to remember some of this because I think Hayes might even come back in and count a three and then they leave and um, they have to say no no it's not it's not a pin. As they're leaving, and then they kind of go on. Flair does like a bunch of offense to him. Carrie manages to kick out of like a move. Then he hits the discus punch and collapses. And then they like they uh, David Manning checks him. He calls the match due to um, a concussion. And then um, Flair's kind of showing off his belt as the doctors attend to Carrie. I kind of I kind of didn't like it the way it was done. Mm-hmm. Only because I am looking at it kind of like through modern eyes and, and just how things are done here. Like if if modern wrestling, it's like if the guy got slammed in the head with the door, mm-hmm. like it would be over with like then. Yeah. It would keep going on another five minutes or so. Heck, that's um, that happened to Flair. Yeah. Um, I uh, understand like maybe the rationale in doing it, but it to me it was disjointed because it's like Carrie was back on offense and doing stuff. Yeah. And then threw the punch and then he like collapsed. It was very like it was very, very odd to me. Like I didn't like the way it was structured. Yeah. Uh whereas if he like he got hit in the head, he's stumbling around and then he like has this basically the stamina 
to just like throw out that punch and then collapse if, if, if it happened like in close sequential order then i'd be like okay that makes the selling of that makes perfect sense but to me it, I, it, I didn't like it but uh to you're, each their own you're you're i'm with you on this matt it it, it you have this whole thing happen, and then here comes Carrie doing offense again, and I'm just like, okay, I guess that's what. And then he does the discus punch, and then falls down. And I'm like, uh. I think, I think, I think, um, for me, the match is good, not like a classic or great or anything. It's more about the angle part, I think, mm-hmm. and the heat yeah. around this. You know what? Like, I I agree because after I watched it, I mean, I did. I did think the match was more entertaining than I thought it was going to be. Um, but, yeah, it seemed more like Angle to me. It's like, all right, well, they're clearly setting it up for the Freebirds to have, like, a run. To me, it is. Well, yeah, because this is... they Go ahead, feud Brad. with the Freebirds for, like, a year after this, and the territory gets really hot and is, like, the biggest thing in wrestling because of this. It's... Like you said, this this is really more about the angle than it is the match, and it's interesting because I am not someone who um, is particularly big on the Von Erichs. Like watching this, Kerry's got good fire, he's dynamic, all this sort of stuff. I just don't like him very much. But he, you know, as we've always heard, the Von Erichs were over like God in their home territory. So of course you're going to play into it. And it's, it's one of those, it's a great example of being able to say that, you know, someone that people will get behind and a good story are going to draw in more than, than just being a good wrestler ever will not ever will, but it consistently will draw in more than being a good wrestler will. And, We've kind of had a discussion about some people here lately that are on the other side of that coin kind of missing that. Oh, uh, Mark Gresham? <laughs> yeah. And I, I just wanted to point out, you know, even you had the, the Von Erich brothers being just so massively over. And, you know, everybody being so fired up and into this and then. You know, just like you said, the biggest thing in wrestling that year, you know, if you've got people who wrestling is very physical, but it's you've got to have your crowd connection. And this is just another example of it. Yeah, I agree. And like, that's the thing, like you can you can dislike how they were pushed, like the Superman stuff, but they were the ones drawing the houses too, so I mean you got to give the crowds what they they want to see, you know, until they don't want to see it anymore. Matt, didn't you have um, something about their uh, their style here that you wanted to expound on? I I'm kind of with you, Chad, in that I there's something about the Von Erics I just didn't care for. Mm-hmm. Like they were massively over. In world class in Texas, uh, and I, I, I haven't seen enough of David Von Eric, so I can't really comment on him. Uh, but I've seen like a fair amount of Carrie and Kevin, and I, I do feel that they are generally pretty good, as in terms of workers. Mm-hmm. And I, I do feel that Carrie had more star power, but 
actually I don't feel like they're great promos. Kevin's Mm-mm. okay. He's okay, but Carrie 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 legitimately cannot talk. Like at least Kevin can get a point across if, even if it's not fantastic. You can at least say, "Oh, I get what Kevin's saying." Whereas Carrie it's just like, "What did what what the I, fuck did he just say?" <laughs> I I see where where women liked him cuz he had like a look. Mm-hmm. But he's just My as, wife my wife mm-hmm. um rags on him all the time as being a horse face. <laughs> Kinda. He has a long. He has a long face, but yeah. There's um. I stumbled in because this is at if if you watched this through the network, this is the the last episode of the first season of World Class. Well, the the first episode of the second season, they sit there and they have they're doing this sit down interview with Clips and asking Carrie Von Eric about it, and I sat there for a minute thinking, oh God, I hope this is not what we're supposed to base our review off of because. Listening to Carrie Von Eric here meander around without knowing where he's going. It's like listening to Michael Scott re- respond to a wrestling match. It, sometimes I start a sentence and I don't know where it's going to end. And I was just like, oh, and then I went and looked. I was like, oh, thank God, it's a different episode. Because that was, that was uncomfortable for me to sit through. David's David's a better promo than both of them, and David's a really good worker. But David's also very different than them because Kevin and Carrie are like six two, and mm-hmm. David is like six seven. Who was it that was working barefoot? Kevin. Yeah. Okay. Ke- Kevin always always worked barefoot. He okay. said he forgot his boots one time and just decided he liked it. And I'm like, man, I would not be walking barefoot on the sportatorium. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, there are actually some. Uh, there's a costuming accessory you can get that um, you you cut it out to match your foot, but it is it's ba- you're basically creating a one-time use uh, sole that adheres to the bottom of your foot for stuff like if you're wanting to walk around barefoot but don't want to you know tread your way across the floor, skin to skin to stone kind of stuff. Interesting. Uh, there was one cool moment. This happened actually a while back, like a few years back. Uh, but I, th- I think they were in Texas or something. They were like celebrating the Von Erichs. Maybe it was when like the Von Erichs went to the Hall of Fame. Uh, and there was some heel that came out and it was like jaw jacking and like running down the Von Erichs. And it was a couple faces in the ring with Kevin. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the thing that was cool was like Kevin had like loafers on, and all of a sudden he just like kicks off the loafers, and it's like, oh god, you know, it's gonna go down right now. Like Kevin, <laughs> Kevin has he's in his bare foot, he's ready. Uh, so that you're was cool. you're saying Matt Riddle is a Kevin Von Erich ripoff? I, I almost kind of. <laughs> I'm pretty sure Kevin never had any birds fly out of his asshole. Yes, I don't think that happened. Um, I was gonna say like God rest his soul, but a Kerry Von Erich just seemed like, like as dumb as a box of rocks. He uh, just seemed like not a now Matt. Tells you guy. Let's not be unfair to the rocks. <laughs> yeah, he reminds me. It's like y'all watched like Looney Tunes back in the day. Yeah, I'm sure Foghorn Leghorn. That mm-hmm. boy's about as sharp as a sack of wet mice. It's yep. like <laughs> such a good line. Cornet had a story about it. He said when we went to go work there, we were used to okay, go to this town at the high school, but they would give everybody written turn by turn directions on how to get there because the Von Eric boys needed that and they're like what's what's this about 
but they gave them to everybody because it's oh we just give these to everybody and you find and you you figure out later it's like oh that's for them <laughs> so they don't get lost well what's really sad about world class though is it just shows how stupid fritz is because this so this is all booked by gary hart Okay. Gary Hart built all the the build up to this, and you can see like the intricate detail and like the thought put into it, and the care. So what happens is, Fritz stiffed Gary Hart on the the payout for this. Really? So, you? Well, I'm shocked. Wow. Yes, I know. Fritz wow. fine Eric. I know. <laughs> and um, so this is the last show that Gary Hart books after taking the, if you watch like the beginning of 1982 and the, the end of 1982, it's like a night and day promotion. Just FYI. But, mm-hmm. um, so Gary Hart leaves after this and then Ken Mantell takes over the booking. And that's where you hear a lot of the stuff, like where Jim Cornette talks about not liking world class mm-hmm. is because they, they get a severe downgrade in booking after this. Because, you know, Fritz von Erich is an asshole. <laughs> well, you know, you know where I really think yeah. he's a scumbag is um, when the Laps fan did this, he was stiffing his own kids on money. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, who fucking does that? Like, right? you, can, you can think whatever you want of, of the von Erich kids, but, like, that is just, that is, like, a different level of scumbag. Yeah, that mm-hmm. is, that is staggeringly scumbag behavior. Yeah. But your your big money makers, your own kids, and you're gonna stiff them on payout. I, I it, it, the math does not add up for me. And basically, if you want to know, spoiler the the end. I mean, the 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 feud kicks up and down like over the years, but essentially, like for this angle, is they come around next year, and the payoff is Fritz slams the door on Terry Gordy's head. Is the payoff? Hmm. Okay. Um, after they cha- exchange like the six man titles like a gajillion times, so the lead out that's a big one, and then Jimmy Garvin comes in and has like a big feud with David Von Erich. Um, that's kind of, and then like Iceman Parsons comes in, who's awesome. Okay. And uh, I think Chris Adams comes in shortly after this. Chris Adams, uh, yeah. God, that's a tough place to be in, isn't it? Because Adams was was good, and then he goes and loses his wife to Steve Austin. Yeah. Yeah, he, uh, he has a lot of good matches with Kevin on Eric, because they would just fucking stiff the shit out of each other, essentially. Oh, fair enough. Yeah. Can't argue with, can't argue with results, so. Now, one thing I did like about this, too, is Bill Mercer's call of it I liked, in that he didn't editorialize when the, the, the um, turn happened. Mhm. Mhm. Cuz he kind of points out that Carrie was misbehaving too, like in his reaction to things. Mhm. So I really like that he called that down the middle instead of going like to the Vince McMahon like, "Oh my god. Like how could he <laughs> do that?" I, I we've bagged on Vince a lot lately, but his announcing style just aggravates. Still to this day, I'm just so aggravated by it. Oh God. Okay. I'll, 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 I won't like go off on that direction. I thought the 
I mean, I haven't heard it. Uh, I don't remember like a lot of uh, mm-hmm. world class. Yeah. Because uh, again, it's been a couple of years at least since I've seen some of it, and I I've seen enough of probably like some of the really hot years. Right. But not like a ton of stuff. So I, I definitely want to explore more of it. But sure. I did think Mercer was was actually like pretty decent as a um, announcer. Right. I guess like when we were ranking like announcers, I guess I never even thought of him in the conversation because I, I haven't heard enough content from him to really gauge that. But I thought he was perfectly fine in here. He was he was kind of like even keeled in this, mm-hmm. um, which I thought was refreshing. Uh, I I still think he I personally think he's better than like Bob Cottle. <laughs> I was um, I was I guess like pleasantly surprised at Bob Cottle like a, a few uh, episodes back when we were doing the uh, the steamboat uh, yeah. blood versus slaughter crew where, match where where I believe the phrase well Bob Cottle wasn't totally awful on this one mm. um yeah he's he, I think that it's it's even more important when you're the only guy in the booth because you, yeah. you not taking sides in it, it makes you you've got too much work to do to be playing favorites I guess and yeah in doing this whole thing you're like well we've got a I've got to talk about what's going on in the match and in doing this you know by not playing favorites you can be like okay. Now I'm going to it, – it's it's less for you to keep track of, and you can just say, okay, calling the match, doing this, trying to do a good job here without getting lost in what it is that uh, you're trying to accomplish by by taking sides or something. Yeah. Uh, so. To kind of to circle back to what I talked about at the very beginning of this episode, mm-hmm. it, you just – in comparing this – to like the WWF at the time, mm-hmm. it's like it's not even really a comparison. Like much of the WWF stuff just can't hold a candle because this is, I don't know, this it's kind of like a Southern style promotion, and obviously the world class is in uh, based in Texas, mm-hmm. um, but it's not quote unquote Southern style like it was like Continental Wrestling or from Georgia. Mm-hmm. or florida or things like that like uh, it, it isn't quite but it's still basically southern style wrestling right and it's just it's so different um in terms of how just how visceral it feels it's like it feels very very real it feels like it, a proto ecw in some ways like with the with the like personal clashes and like how like yeah like it, it had not reached that point obviously this is just the the beginning of the von erics versus Freebirds feud <laughs> but if like six months down the road with them feuding if they were going to have a big match like the von erics versus the Freebirds, and they they styled it as a quote-unquote grudge match like you damn well would believe that's a grudge match like you would expect yeah. there to be violence and blood and all sorts of shit and you wouldn't get that from like the WWE. Like you'd probably what you'd probably get from this time period, you would get like uh, Jose Estrada versus uh, 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 Salvatore Belomo oh, in like a twenty-minute match, probably. <laughs> and this is time like limit it, draw. Yeah, what, the things that I love about this style or this era in world class 
or Georgia. Like you, not only is it like like very real, very visceral. Mm-hmm. Like it, it 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 incredibly blurs the lines between you know the fake wrestling. I know this is like the kayfabe era, but it blurs the line between like fake and what's real. Like if guys mm-hmm. are really like shooting on each other or working stiff, it, it just it seemed more for lack of a better we put it real but it also like everything that is done kind of like seems like it matters and by that i mean you could have a sequence where it's just like carrie and rick flair just like chopping each other or punching each other or what have you and it just seems more important than the wwf at the time which would be like I'm going to like punch you, punch you, kick you. All right, let's get to a, a headlock for like five minutes. Mm-hmm. It's like it just – and that that's – it's an oversimplification, and I, I might be slightly unfair there, but it just – that's how it seemed to me. It just – everything with kind of the Southern style, and there are several promotions that that could apply to at this point, world class being one of them. It just seemed like more important, and it seemed more visceral, like more real, like in your face – I don't know. It's like I, Brad. Uh, we were talking with Brad. Like Brad, it's like I don't know how there was not a riot. It's like I could believe if there was a riot, I could uh, believe it. Yeah. Like uh, the the batch of few the episode we did a few a month uh, a few weeks ago when it was Slaughter and Kernoodle versus Youngblood and Steamboat. It's like that match. Like I thought there was going to be a riot. Like it's uh, right, like the one where they just kept brawling. Yeah. Yeah, and and. And that was hilarious too, because like, and that match is now like forty years old or close to it. Yeah. And when I was watching it, like it, the power of that, the way it was done, it's like I can watch that forty years later, and I can just be like an awe. I'm like, God damn! Like, how did they? Why did they? This brawl kept going. It keeps like oh, it's just building heat upon heat. Mm-hmm. And it still feels like you can feel it. You can feel it like in your in your stomach. You can just be like, damn, like what am I watching? This is intense. And I thought that this captured a little bit of that. I also I think I also think um, this uh, match really, especially the way Flair and Carrie use the cage. If you think escape rules are good, watch this match and just see like when Carrie is just cheese gratering. Flair on the cage and like just taking out all that pent up frustration out on him and mm-hmm. tell me that like escape rules are better. Flair, this is just like a flair, a flairism, but Flair yeah. was doing a little bit of like the thing that I actually love about him. He's like, ah, oh, ah, oh, God. Ah, yeah. Ah. yeah. And just like loudly commenting or loudly like crying out. Like I always thought that was kind of funny whenever yeah. he would pull something like that. Matt, I think the word that comes to mind, what you were talking about with the feel of this, because it's not, as you said, it's not Southern style. It's kind of its own thing. But to me, this seems to be the word I would use is this is a roughneck promotion. So instead of of it being. It's kind of actually a work rate promotion. Like, it's really a bizarre place because. They bring all these international guys in. Like you have um Tony Charles's checkmate right now, tag mm-hmm. teaming with Magic Dragon, and they're just having these insane matches every week. And then you have like the Von Erics who are pretty good, but then you have like Jose Lothario who 
is old as dirt, but still <laughs> having like good matches. Okay. And there's like a match I think earlier in the year, like with him and Bugsy McGraw, and they're just like pinballing each other off the wall, like these tin walls in the Sportatorium. Yeah. But like it's for a promotion at that time, like it's just you'll see great matches like every week. It's it's crazy. Like even the great but, Kabuki is having like good matches who I don't think super highly of, but like and it's also interesting because when Gary Hart's booking it, it's actually kind of very progressive in that they have all these like people of different nationalities and races and it's not stereotypical. Mm. And I okay. think part of that is because they're so close to Mexico, they kind of have to play to their audience. Okay. Who is like largely Hispanic and and um you can't you can't like have like kind of a racist portrayal of like your Hispanic talent when you're doing that. Right. Uh, do they have do they have like the Guerreros do stuff? They come in at some point, but like I think we I think there's like an episode where like the original Blue Demon came in for a couple of matches. Mm-hmm. And um oh there was someone else that was just on there that I was surprised that I saw. I don't remember who it was. It wasn't Mil Mascaras, was it? No. Okay. <laughs> I uh I would have thought they would have had more Lucha guys just because the, the proximity to Texas obviously like they're, they're right there. They they probably could have I'll say poach, but they probably could have brought in a few guys like to to run some spots. They had Iron yeah. Mike Sharp on, um, was one of the guys that lost to the Freebirds and David Von Erich for the six man. It was him huh. and Ben Sharp, and I don't remember who the other guy was. Well, that's interesting. But like, I think Kamala comes in pretty soon. Kamala, for Ugandan Jaya Kamala. <laughs> You can, you see some luchadors like you have Al Madrill that's there a lot, but I think he's like a Texas guy, and then you have Jose Lothario. It's driving me nuts who that other guy was though that was just in. I'm looking this up. Uh, okay, so you had you did have Jose Luis Rivera, <laughs> but that I guess was late. That was late in the yeah. 80s. I haven't seen. Alpha and Sika were there. Oh, um, that's um that's who was in there. Uh, Samu of like the head shrinker fame was there as like the wild Samoan for a while. Huh. Oh, and killer okay. Tim, uh, a Matt favorite killer Tim Brooks has been hmm. around. Uh, Bill Irwin and King Kong Bundy. I think I sent you pictures of that promo where King Kong Bundy's like in an alley talking to Bill Mercer while he's eating fried chicken. It's hilarious. Yeah, you sent that to us. Yeah. And also a Matt favorite Bugsy McGraw has been around. I just can't stand him. He's. <laughs> I brag on like Jimmy Valiant. I would probably take Jimmy Valiant before over Bugsy McGraw, and I can't stand. Like I can't stand Jimmy Valiant. <laughs> if you if you really want to mind fuck, go to the beginning of 1982 because King Kong Bundy has hair. Okay, I feel like I've seen pictures of that. Yeah. Man, it's driving me nuts who this this was. Tonga Kid, like you said, was in there. Yeah. Briefly. Uh, Harley Jose Estrada. Race, Harley Race came through a lot because he he put the he put the the Von Eric kids over a lot. Yeah, he wasn't that far away, was he? 
Just no. just up the road a bit. Because they went over to uh, they went up to St. Louis a lot and wrestled. Mm-hmm. And that was um, oh gosh, now I can't remember his name. I've, I'm try I'm making an endeavor to to finish the Death of the Territories book, which is oh Larry Matisic. No, who was the promoter, the the respected promoter who was up that way? Larry Matisic. Was that who? Yeah. I swear I thought there was another name, but um. Oh, maybe um, was it Mushnick or something? It might have been, but just just the talk about you know the St. Louis being such a stalwart location for so much. Um, and, and everything that, that comes with that. And then Harley being based there, I'm just, oh yeah, okay. There's, there's so much about this that makes sense now that I, I hadn't pieced together in the past. I'm still looking for luchadors. I know I saw a couple luchadors on there. Mm Mm-hmm. I know. You know who I see? You know, I see as like having done like at least a spot on it is uh <laughs> chick donovan oh yeah cheeky yeah he's a memphis name today they he posted a pic yeah in i mean like like a couple months back pick really where he, that he posted uh in his ring gear with karen morton like uh, Ricky Morton's son, and I think Chick Donovan's like in his seventies, and the dude is still like more. I I mean I'm trying. I've been trying to like eat healthy and work out more, but Chick Donovan is like more jacked than I've ever been in my lifetime, and he's like in his mid seventies. That's gas. God. <laughs> Yeah, I've lost I've lost fifty two pounds this year, and I'm not going to be jacked. I'm just less fat. <laughs> I, that's that's an accomplishment. Yeah, so it you is. should be proud of that. You know, I'm from from when I started working on it. I think I'm down. Um, let's see, so I'm down about thirty five, and I'm I'm hard plateauing because, and even even down to where I am, I'm still. Like yeah, 60 you said pounds you, above what I call fighting weight. You said you said uh, you busted like some some plateaus though to get down to where you're at now though, right? Uh, yeah, it's uh, to get where I am was a uh, that was that was a surprise in and of itself, just given how hard it's been to get this far. And now I'm I'm trying. God, with everything that's happened lately, it's made it even harder to. To stick with everything, I'm trying to to get below where I am. You know, and my goal weight is about 40 pounds south of where I am now. But yeah, having a hell of a time getting that ball rolling again. So, Matt, I don't mean to get you excited, but I don't think it ever made TV. But they had a Blue Demon versus Magic Dragon match on one of these shows. Hmm. That might be interesting. Mm-hmm. Now, Shad, one thing I think you might find interesting if you go back and watch this stuff, but when Kabuki does his mist before the match, he would yeah. spray down his hands so that you'd watch him do these matches and his hands were green the whole time. That's 
not what I would have expected. Yeah, I didn't notice it, and I was like, huh, he does that every match, and it kind of, kind of can't unsee it. I... Did they ever give a kayfabe reason why? No, I think it's just part of his ritual or whatever. Uh, okay. Um, they... Now, I, I do want to mention, I think we've talked about it before, but Magic Dragon is a really talented guy, but um, unfortunately, I think around 1986, he was going on his honeymoon, and his plane crashed, I think, in Africa. Mm. Oh, Lord. Do you remember, Matt? Uh, that sounds about right. Yeah. Uh. Okay, hold on. Yeah, it's Mauritius. I'm gonna pronounce this completely wrong. Mauritius. It's an island that's uh, off Africa, but in the, the Indian Ocean. Okay. Um. And he was like on his honeymoon, and it was actually that. I, I don't know if it was like a, a wedding gift or just he got he just their friends he was trying to be nice but like giant baba actually paid for uh him and the guys like magic dragon they, he paid for magic dragon and his wife to go on that flight like oh, he paid their man. their t- plane ticket and i've heard that at, like afterwards ever since like he blamed himself for that and he he actually held like like lifelong regret for that Mm. Uh, to the point where, like during the during Magic Dragon's memorial show, mm-hmm. uh, in a kind of like almost like uncharacteristic breakdown of a, emotion, uh, like Giant Baba was actually like crying, like visibly crying. Mm. And it's not—I mean, it was purely accidental. Like he shouldn't hold right. guilt inside of him, but I mean, he he did. I mean, they must have been like really good friends. Yeah, that's, yeah. that's rough. I mean, no, you, when stuff like that happens, even if you know better, it's still hard not to blame yourself. Yeah, mm-hmm. it is. And just as a side note, because I don't think a lot of people know the story, but have we talked about the the unknown, well, never wrestled Von Erich, the fourth Von Erich child that, that perished? Have we talked about that in the show before? Oh, I don't think I, so. I think... We might have, like, incidentally touched on it here and there, but not really done any detail stuff. What, so, what was his name? I don't remember. Um, it, so he would have been a toddler, and he pre, I think he would have been the old... He was the first child. But I, So anyway, he was a toddler. I think he was, like, four or five. And he was playing in the yard or something, and he got shocked by a live wire that knocked him unconscious and then he drowned in like a puddle mm. or something. Uh, yeah, that's exactly what happened. Um, Fritz von Erich's first son, Jack Edkinson Jr. Uh, died age seven. Yeah, exactly. And then you had Kevin, David, Carrie, uh, Mike and Chris. And Chris. Now, who there was there? I know that there was a story that that Corny had about you know you could see their downfall because they'd be getting on a plane or whatever, and one of them was would be so out of it, you know, he couldn't tell if he was on a plane, train, or automobile. And I'm not sure if that was Mike or Chris. 
but I mean, I think I had heard stories that there was just like a lot of a lot of drug use going on. Well, Mike, you can't really, Mike, you can't really chalk up to substance abuse, but um, so David actually the so oh they, okay okay I got you. So the, David seems to be legit. He had oh fuck, what was it called? He had a stomach issue. Uh, I'm looking that I'm looking it up right. I'm looking at it right now, like. Mike is the one who um, got septic shock from a shoulder yeah. injury, and then yeah, toxic shock syndrome. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Um, you were saying David. David had. Um, that's where they flush the drugs, but then it seems to be the. He had enteritis. Yeah, enteritis seems to be yeah. leg- a legit cause of death, and not like an overdose or anything. Um, yeah. Carrie is the one that had like got busted coming into the country with like a legitimate Steve Williams size pharmacy. Yeah, and shot himself in the chest. Yeah, and um, Kevin, I don't, I know Kevin was into his stuff, but he survived. And Chris, Chris, Chris killed himself, but Chris like really wasn't like what his brothers were and was like kind of living in their shadow and i think he was just an unfortunate victim of like apparently he and mike were close and when they when they lost mike he he committed suicide because because carrie's kind of topical because didn't brett just talk about how carrie was thinking about he told him like he had like to live for his kids or something i think that just was talked about recently um, it's, it's actually in the article, it's, it's in Hart's biography that Carrie had told him months before about his plans, uh, that he wanted to follow his late brothers. They were calling to him and that his marriage had fallen apart and he thought his death was inevitable. So it sounds to me that, that, uh, Carrie had, with all of that stuff going on and all of that trauma, Carrie needed help that he never got and spiraled into a hardcore depression that took him out. And Mm -hmm. I I hate that. I, I hate any story of that happening to somebody. Now the one, the one positive thing about the Von Erich family is Fritz in 1997, hopefully died of very painful cancer. (laughs) Um, he was not a good man. Cancer that spread to his brain. Ooh, oh, excellent. <laughs> he deserved he deserved every ounce of that cancer, fucker. You got to consider how bad it is to have one of us reveling in the expiration of somebody like that. No, I for anything anyone can say about Vince like Fritz is fucking worse. I yeah. I, I there are a few people I hate worse than Fritz von Erich, especially in wrestling. Like he might he might legitimately, in my mind, be worse than Chris Benoit. Because at mm. least Chris Benoit was, like, fucking concussed and drugged up. Like, Fritz was just an asshole. Yeah. Uh, I'm not diminishing Chris, but it's like I've – watching some stuff, as we have, uh, kind of after the fact, like, I've seen clips of, like, Chris Benoit doing stuff that it's like – he's just clearly he's getting like brain injuries doing yeah. it mm-hmm. like when you're doing 
there was I saw there's a clip that was that came around like the last like, couple of days where it's like he did like a dive to the outside and he's like cracking his head on the guardrail, like the steel guardrail. Yeah. It's like, well, no wonder this guy had like serious issues. And then, of course, couple that with like the all the drug issues that he had. It's like, yeah, I mean, I now I'm not diminishing it, but it's him like going off and not ending well for him. Like it's not that terribly surprising, even though yeah. it, is, it is surprising and that the level he went off on just destroying his family. Uh, but that it's like, you almost kind of like kind of understand it. Like he was just, his brain was like completely shot and he's not mentally well, yeah. but Fritz von Eric like that. He actually, you'd have the argument that this, that he's just like evil. Yeah. Like he's not a good person. Yeah, the fact that you get to a point with Fritz where it's like, oh, you know, Fritz is, uh, and like you said, you know, stealing from his kids and everything, and and just wringing them out, it seems like, because to, to be leveraging all of them into it, and Chris being the one that, you know, he was short, um... Uh, the the Wikipedia article said he had extremely brittle bones that were prone to breaking. Um, when you were two, when by the time Chris started wrestling, like you were two fucking kids in already, like that you'd lost because of wrestling, and like I, there's like that interview clip they have on TV of like Mike when he's clearly just not there anymore because his brain got basically cooked. Yeah. Um. And then you know stuff like selling fake David autographs at the memorial show and the mm-hmm. fake heart attack angle and God, just like even the pressure he's putting on his kids because you know no one ever gave him the NWA world title so he took that fucking out on his kids until they all killed themselves. It, distasteful isn't really a strong enough word but it's the best word i can come up with it's yeah. just it's if you listen to the lapsed fan on the whole thing like you will you will just hate him more and more and more and more like the more they i just really don't need that much that much hate in my heart anymore so I, he, i'll i'll take your word for it but even if you like watch like there's other things though like if you watch like the TV and stuff, like his kids like are getting sexually assaulted like multiple times just trying to walk to the ring on a weekly basis. There yeah. was a lot of hands being thrown at them. Oh no! Yeah. That, I, don't mean, I don't mean like like someone punching them. I mean basically molestation. Oh no! There, the women like would straight up just run up to them and like kiss them on full on the lips like as they were walking to the ring. I just saw that happen yeah. to David like a couple shows before this one. And we're talking like we're talking like they would get hugged, like groped, kissed, and we're talking about that's one entrance. Yeah. And that's that's what made it on TV. That's not yeah. even considering other things that the house shows, the, the yeah, shows. That we could say with a fair degree of certainty happened even if we don't see it directly. Yeah, because that one was annoying because it's like, well, David was, like, married, and I think he had a kid at that point, and it's just like, God, like, can you... Could you not? Yeah. You know what? I'd love it if you could not, please. But 
you know, he didn't get that option. But so. um, I I think if if you really want to be like a connoisseur of like wrestling, I think this is like a must watch match. It sets up so many dominoes that it it I, I think calling it historic is is not undershooting. You and know, it's, if if you watch the episode, they set the the match itself up pretty well, and mm-hmm. you really don't need a lot of backstory because it plays out so well. You don't need to know what's like all the the gory details essentially or the context. Mm-hmm. Like you really don't even know, need to know if Michael Hayes is a face or a heel before the match starts. It it kind of doesn't matter no. as you watch this. It's he's out there and he's trying to call it down the middle and then you know things start to unravel. That's it's all personal. almost all it's you all, need. Yeah, it's, it's all personal and personality clash. Like it doesn't. It literally doesn't matter. Like it could. You could not even know. You could know neither. It could be a double turn for all you care. Like. Uh-huh. So I mean, it I think, is. What's the phrase I'm looking for here? It is, with the exception, it is almost alignment agnostic. It's ever- not quite, because you need you need Carrie to be the face and Flair to be the heel here. But everybody else, well, I guess Hayes can be alignment agnostic in it because it that how we went in almost doesn't matter. Yeah, but it's it's I think it's a great angle. The match itself. It's okay. It's it's entertaining. I'll give it that. It has issues, but it's entertaining. Um, if you watch the whole show, I think it flies for 45 minutes. I think you'll be shocked at how quick it goes. Um, and how actually, I think the other thing is like presentation-wise. I think for 1982, you would be shocked at how modern it feels. Mm-hmm. It, the 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 camera. You know what? The camera work. If if you can look past. How do I say this? If you can look past the the fashion choices of the time, you could look at this and say, oh, this could easily be a WCW Saturday Night or a Thunder or, with, uh, with, oh, hey, without missing a beat. Or, oh, hey, mid-2000s mid, mid, um, mid 2000s ROH really like invested in that uh, that production values. Right. Like it, it like you said, the camera, the camera work looks really good. So, yeah, all right. It's like I said, it's it's shockingly modern in its feel like it. There's indie promotions that still are on today that would kill to look this good. (laughs) Honestly, the GWF would have killed to look this good. I I think I would bodily maim somebody to have my old footage look this good. Yeah. So and not not a tyrus to be seen. Has that show happened yet, Matt? Which one? The. Trevor Murdoch versus. Um, no, I think that's. I think it's actually this weekend. Ugh, it they, is. Why did they put fucking Tyrus in the main event? Like you can just see the buys declining. I, I mean, I mean, I guess realistically, it's because they don't really have anyone. But it's like you got you gotta you gotta have something. Yeah. You get you somewhat. It, it's actually like this weekend. It's actually like a. I think it's Friday Saturday. Are they doing a are they doing an all women's pay per view again or did they ditch that? Uh, that was pretty good. No. Last year. Yeah, it's a okay. It's it's on twenty the August twenty seventh, August twenty eighth. It's a two night uh, event 
uh, okay, looking at looking at the cards, it is not all women. Um, but the 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 first night is headlined by Camille, who's the champion, versus Taya Valkyrie. Uh, oh my god! This looking at this card, it actually infuriates me because it's like you you can't do better than than Tyrus. Like you actually have Bully Ray on night one, and it's like I don't like Bully Ray at all. Yeah, but he has but a if, if you're gonna compare the two, like Bully Ray is more deserving of a title shot than Tyrus. The Tyrus, you have uh, you have Harry Smith on this show. All right, I'm gonna hit you with something weird, and and this, hang with me for a second, okay? Mm. I've had two people, uh, over two people over fifty in the last month, who have said to me, "Oh, I've seen Tyrus on stuff. I know who that is. He's funny." Like, apparently. There's some some sort of crossover appeal happening, and then on one of my social media feeds earlier today, Tyrus was on uh, Mike Rose uh, interview show. I, I I can't I don't call it a podcast because I don't know if he's doing that or if it's just like an interview thing. But apparently he's picking up some crossover from somewhere. And I don't know how it works, but it seems like that he's he's picking over some cross, you know, picking up some crossover eyes. And... Order pay per view though. Look, but here's the thing: if if he's getting on national TV somewhere, then I can see the thought process being, all right, let's give it a shot. I don't I don't know that I'd agree with it, but I mean, what? What the hell? Yeah, nine one doesn't look half bad actually. Nine one actually looks decent. Ooh, homiciders uh, Carrie Morton. I that's um. Why yeah, did I they actually, use Rodney Mac to challenge him? I like Rodney Mac. I don't know. I actually have uh like a it's I'm a few months into it, but I have like a NWA All Access Pass, which basically gets me all of their content for like a year. Hmm. Um, so I might actually watch this, at least at night one. <laughs> night two is. Uh, Nick Aldis for uh, God Flip Gordon. It's funny I had listened. Oh uh, God, Davy. R- okay, night two is a hard pass for me. <laughs> is is the Thrillbilly Silas Silas younger? Is that someone else? Uh, I think it's someone else. Man, night two is a hard pass. At uh, Colby Carino versus there's uh, Caprice Coleman though. Yeah, um, night two's not doing it for me. Night one's pretty good. Night two's kind of. My understanding is. They went too indie on night two. Yeah, I think that Tyrus has uh, some sort of connection with Fox News. Yeah, he guests on uh, a show with them sometimes. Uh huh. And then then proceeds to sexually harass like anyone he's on the <laughs> on the panel with. I I don't know about that. All I know is that apparently 
he guests on there and he's amusing when he's he's on it. That's okay. all I got. They oh. have to like forklift his ass in there. I don't know, man. Yeah, I did. I have said all the information I have. <laughs> God, that, that's all I got. He's fucking terrible. I never liked him to begin with, but he's fucking just terrible now. Oh well, I might yep. get I might get night one. Night two looks like a, a hard pass for me. Hard no. Yeah, night one looks good. Night two does not look good. Too mm. um too indie on night two. It, it, isn't it amusing to be in a place where that that is a reason not to at this point? It's like no, that's that's too indie. Because in I, years past, it'd be like no, no, I don't know, I don't know, not. Indie's not bad, but now it's just like now you too indie is, is yeah, leaning in too hard. If you're too indie now, then that means you are the lowest of low rent. That's true, because so many, so many people, like the the super quality people on the indies, have been snatched up. Yeah, and and the thing is, like, if you want me to pay twenty five dollars or forty dollars, well, twenty five or fifteen dollars or twenty dollars, however you want to like split that with their deal. Like you're asking me to pay that kind of money for super duper indie guys who most of them I've never heard of. Like, um, I'm not against guys I've never heard of because like, you know, I've had some fun things of like Odinson and, um, mm-hmm. Oh, what's the, what's the Husey team with Matt? Oh, Paro. Uh, Paro. Paro. Yeah. Like I discovered them on NWA and I like, I like those dudes, but like, you know, it's just too, it's too much for night two. Like there's too many guys I don't know, and you know, like there are going to be some diamonds you're going to discover. But yeah, I, I I had never heard of Ricky Stark before he came up on NWA, and look where he is now. Yeah. But uh, but you got you got to litter some guys I know in there too, or I'm gonna pass. Okay, that's right. Yeah. Uh, in in in. If, if my career had been offset by I don't know eight years, then I would have been salivating for a chance to strike at this. But if I know if I know five people on your show and one of them is Colby Carino, you've done something wrong. <laughs> That's right. the thing. It's well, Colby Carino. It's just it's Colby Carino. I think that'll about wrap us for this episode. Am I right? Yeah, mm-hmm. we're good. Alrighty, everybody. Thank you for joining us for this episode. Um, if you would, uh, well, if you got the network, you can find it on there. It's the last episode of season one of World Class that's on there. If not, uh, I don't know, you might be able to find it somewhere else. It's complete on YouTube. Oh, okay. It's complete on YouTube. There you go. So, for all of that, we want to say thank you for joining us for this episode. This is Shad with Matt and Brad. We've been in three quarters. You're in the fourth. And we will catch you next time.